Views and opinions expressed by the hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of their employers. This podcast may not be suitable for children. Adults may find details triggering and or offensive. Listener's discretion is advised. Hi everyone, this is Norma. And it's just Norma because this is a solo takeover and you're listening to It's a Mystery for Me. I guess you guys were not expecting that. Well, I was not either. Um, It turns out that Priscilla got caught up with some work that she has to do. And um, we wanted to release this episode on time. So I just told her, well, actually, she told me that (laughs) I should just go ahead and do this solo. And hence, here I am solo. Um... It'll definitely be different because I'm just used to her asking me a ton of questions, interrupting me. That's going to be different, but kind of wish she was here because this is, I think, a type of case that requires those types of questions. But I'll do my best. So without further ado, since I do not have any updates, let's just get into today's episode. So for today's episode, I watched a show on ID Discovery called Web of Lies, and that's season five, episode seven. I also looked at articles from CBS News, NBC News, The Dallas Observer, and Daily Mail, just to name a few. And for a full list of today's sources, go ahead and check out our website, itsamysteryforme.com, or click the link in today's show notes. And just as a trigger warning, this episode does involve a minor being essayed. So as always, viewer discretion is advised. This story takes us back to 2012 in Carrollton, Texas. This is a case of Shania Gray. Shania Gray was born on March 29, 1996 in Wichita, Kansas. So in 2012, she was 16 years old. In 2012, she also lived in Mesquite, Texas with her mom, Sherry, her stepfather, Dwayne, and her younger brother, Zach. Shania is described by her family as bright, energetic, fun. She was a great big sister and always mentioned that if anything happened to her parents, she would continue to take care of her younger brother, Zach. Zach is described as her favorite person. Shania was also an A student part of her church choir. She really enjoyed singing. She was also extremely athletic and very talented. She played basketball. She was a basketball star. She was a track star and a nationally ranked athlete. So she was a winner. She had tons of awards and medals. Shania's friend Fiona described Shania as really pretty, vibrant, and that everyone wanted to be friends with her. She had a ton of friends. 
Shania met friends pretty much wherever she went, especially while traveling for sport competitions, like the Junior Olympic meets. Now, I feel like I can relate to this because I feel like as a kid, I always made friends wherever I went. And I feel like that's true for me as an adult. Now, as far as meeting friends at sporting events, not so much. I'm not an athlete by any means. That was my past life. I used to play basketball back in the day. Not anymore. It's been years. Back to Shania. So Shania's mom was very cautious when it came to her making new friends. So her mother, Sherry, and Shania, they came up with an agreement that Sherry would look over her list of friends monthly. And she would basically ask Shania, how do you know this person? Where did you meet them? But Sherry did admit that it was still hard to keep up with Shania's friends because literally the friend requests were coming in almost daily. It was such a frequent thing. It was hard for her to keep tabs on every single person, but she definitely tried the best that she could. Then in the summer of 2012, the latest friend request comes in. And this time it's from a 19 year old that goes by the name of D. And apparently he's a new recruit in the US Navy. Shania, like any other teenage girl, is flattered. And she messages him first saying, hey, this is Shania, what's up? And D actually responds. He says, hey there, I think you know my cousin. To which she responds, I'm liking the uniform, what do you do? And he tells her, he's in the Navy. He is a US Navy pilot and that he wants to be an astronaut someday. Soon after this conversation, they do exchange phone numbers and they go on to pretty much talk all the time for the coming weeks. As far as Dee mentioning, hey, I think you know my cousin to Shania, Initially, not much is said as to that statement on the show, but as the episode unfolded, it comes back up. So they grow extremely close over the following weeks and Shania even reveals her deepest secret to Dee. She tells him that she was sexually assaulted in 2010. So just two years prior, At the age of 14, Shania got a job babysitting for her mother's friend, Jennifer, and she would babysit occasionally after school. She would babysit Jennifer's three kids. Other sources said it was just Jennifer's six-year-old daughter. Specifically, that was what was said on the show. One particular night, Shania spent the night because Jennifer had to work late. And I'm assuming that... This was all worked out with Shania's mom, Sherry, so she was definitely aware of this and agreed to this arrangement. Well, at some point, either that night or in the morning, Jennifer's ex-boyfriend Franklin and the father of her six-year-old daughter comes over to, I guess, relieve Shania of her duties. At least that's the way it appeared on the show. This is the first time that Shania is meeting Franklin who at the time is 28 years old, and he tells her to call him Wish, trying to be all smooth and be like, oh, don't call me Franklin. You can can just call me Wish. And 
he tells her that he's surprised that she's 14 because she looks a lot older. But apparently it was a way that he said it and his overall demeanor that rubbed Shania the wrong way. So she felt uncomfortable. She got up and she ended up going to the bathroom. So that was a first red flag. But Shania continued to babysit through December of 2010. Then sometime after Christmas, while Shania is babysitting, Franklin, aka Wish, comes over. Franklin sends his daughter to bed and then he starts again making weird comments to Shania, but this time he is telling her how pretty she is and things just escalated from there. And unfortunately, Franklin did end up sexually assaulting Shania, which is really just disgusting. She's only 14 and again, he's 28 years old. Now, as you can imagine, this is a very traumatic and sensitive topic for Shania. She had a very difficult time processing all of this, which is completely understandable. So she didn't come forward for a very long time. And eventually she does come forward and she does hint at her friend Fiona what happened to her. She tells Fiona she was babysitting for a family and a man came over and he did inappropriate things and it was just creepy. Now, Fiona does make an appearance on the show and this is exactly what she said. As to whether she told Fiona the man is Franklin, the father of the child that she's babysitting, that part is unclear. But what is clear is that she she came forward and she trusted Fiona with this information on something that is very, again, very traumatic and very sensitive. Fiona said that she wishes that she encouraged Shania to tell her mom or that Fiona herself should have gone straight to Sherry. But she figured that she would just let Shania handle it on her own because she didn't have the full explicit details and she also didn't want to be intrusive. It's a very touchy subject. Plus, Shania also told her that she had it handled. But by March 2011, Shania couldn't keep it in any longer and she ended up telling her mom what happened. Shania started to get text messages from Franklin, aka Wish, saying things like, why haven't you been coming over here? So apparently, Shania, you know, she stopped babysitting either entirely or she just wasn't babysitting as much. In another message, Wish stated, that's foul, and I quote, so I'm supposed to sit around and wait? Man, whatever. So Shania's mom actually saw Shania had received a text from Wish and Shania's mom is familiar with Franklin's nickname as Wish. So she was taken aback and she snatches the phone out of Shania's hand. She's then asking Shania, well, why is he texting you? Why is he texting you at this time of night? And then another text comes in and Sherry says that it was to the effect of, I want you, but I can't have you right now. Meaning that's the second text that came in from Franklin, AKA Wish. Shania is then telling her mom, like, 
look, I know this looks bad, but it's not what it looks like. And they kind of pretty much leave it at that. But the next day, she finally tells her mom the full story. She confesses to her mom that Wish had in fact raped her. And Sherry is extremely supportive. She makes an appearance on the show and she just reiterates how she was very sympathetic towards Shania and told her that she's sorry that she had to carry that burden on her own. She tells her that she's extremely proud of her for having the courage to even come forward once she did. Still, Sherry, like any parent that has just learned of their child getting hurt in this way, jumped right into action. She was not playing. The first thing that she did is drive to Jennifer's house and confront her about it. And one thing that she noticed is that Jennifer was pretty nonchalant about this situation. And that just didn't sit well with Sherry. So she took it upon herself to confront Franklin on her own. And she ends up texting him. And of course, what does Franklin do? He denies ever touching Shania. But Sherry doesn't care what Franklin has to say because she believes her daughter. And she goes straight to the police department and she tells Franklin, just letting you know, I'm filing this police report. And that is exactly what she does. Sherry ends up going to the police department with Shania and while there, Shania details the rape. Shania ends up describing not just one, but four separate occasions where Franklin sexually assaulted her. And she gives such explicit details that detectives really have no choice but to believe her story. She said that she was afraid because he was threatening her with a gun. Franklin even smacked her. And he also threatened to hurt her beloved family. Yes, including her beloved brother, Zach. So Shania basically felt that she was protecting her family and that there was nothing else that she could do. Soon after that, Franklin is arrested and he is charged with four counts of rape and he is sent to jail pending his trial because he is refused bond. A year goes by and it is now summer 2012, which is where we had initially started off with this episode. The case is still pending trial and Shania was set to testify at Franklin's trial. And I really think that just like the pressure of it all really got to Shania and her mom describes her just not being her normal self. She was a lot more reserved and quiet. Her smile faded a bit, but things seemed to really turn around with her friendship with Dee. Dee was very supportive and he was very protective of Shania. He made remarks like, what if Franklin gets out and he tries to actually hurt your family? He was just genuinely concerned for Shania's well-being. So concerned that he was willing to plan an escape with Shania. So on September 6th, 2012, 
Shania is starting 11th grade at a new high school, Hebron High School in Carrollton, Texas, which is near Dallas, Texas. As to why she transferred, that is unclear. I couldn't find any details as to that from the sources or from the show itself. But it is her second day of school as a junior and she's supposed to be picked up after her tutor session. Her mom, Sherry, texts her to confirm that she is going to be done by 4.15 p.m. And Shania responds that she is almost done. Her mom, Sherry, tells her that's fine and that she's waiting outside where she had dropped her off earlier for school. Shania actually had choir rehearsal right after, so it was cutting it close. 20 minutes later, Shania still didn't come out. So her mom texts her, where are you? And she decides to just go in. At this point, it's almost an hour since she had initially spoken to Shania, who told her, you know, she'll, she's almost done. She'll be out soon. She goes to the location of the tutor session, but the class is not in session and the lights in the classroom are off. Sherry then texts Shania again saying, please call me, um, call me ASAP, I love you, just multiple text messages. By the time she's done looking in the school, it's now been about an hour and a half since she's last spoken to Shania. Sherry just feels like something is off and and she expresses her concerns to the school's administrators and some teachers who happen to still be at the school. And they kind of reassure her that maybe Shania went off with a friend, that that's very common for teenagers to do after school and she shouldn't worry. But Sherry is adamant that Shania wouldn't just leave school without telling her, especially since she just spoke to her beforehand. Shania knew her mom was waiting for her outside to take her to choir practice. I just wonder, you know, at this point, if anyone's thinking, should we check the cameras? Is that too premature of a thing to do in the heat of the moment? I don't know, but it doesn't seem like that happened, at least not initially. Sherry leaves and she goes and picks up her husband, Dwayne, who's Shania's stepfather, to help look for her. By the time they get back to the school, it's dark and they continue to drive around well past midnight. They continue to call Shania, they texted her, but they got absolutely nothing. This is all happening again, September 6th. Well, now it's September 7th. Like Her parents returned to Hebron High later that morning of September 7th, 2012, and school officials are now reviewing the tapes. So maybe it was a premature thing, but I just immediately thought, check the tapes. The last place she was seen was at school. You know, one plus one is two, that's all. Shania is seen on camera at 4 11 p.m. exiting the door at the back of the school and her mom Sherry notices that Shania seemed a little hesitant walking in that direction but also 
this is only Shania's second day at the school. So Shania's not familiar with her surroundings. So to me, it makes sense that she would be a little hesitant. Surveillance of the outside of the school showed a gray Dodge, I guess a gray Dodge sedan. There's not much else that's really said about that on the show. I actually got this part from an article, but there is a possibility that if they were able to snap a still photo of a gray Dodge car that it's possible they also saw Shania by the car and getting into the car and possibly who she was with. On that same day, September 7th, 2012, her parents reported her missing to the Carrollton Police Department. Detectives start with her mother, Sherry. So they basically question as to why she's just now reporting her daughter missing when she went missing the day before. But I was thinking, isn't it a a rule generally that you can't report someone as missing um, for the first 24 hours? Actually, let me look that up to see if that's the case in Texas. Okay, never mind. Google just, you know, offended me because apparently you generally do not have to wait 24 hours to report a person as missing. However, the whole initiation process as to investigating that person as missing may start after the 24 hour period. Um, But as reporting a person missing, there's no actual time limit on that. Um, according to Google and specifically in Texas, it said there is no law as to that 24 hour limit of reporting person as missing. So her mother, Sherry did say that she did speak to an officer and she was told to wait to report her as missing. Again, this is back in 2012. Maybe things have changed. The detective was shouting at her though, and was extremely stern. And I'm not trying to say that she was trying to point the finger at Sherry, but you know, she, I I think she made it clear that Sherry could possibly be involved in this. Sherry of course maintained her innocence and she was concerned that detectives were focusing their energy too much on her. She's a wrong person and you know, they should be out there looking for Shania, her daughter. Detectives then zero in on Shania's stepfather, Dwayne. He too maintains his innocence and he tells him that he would never hurt his daughter, Shania. But then I also started to think like, hmm, is it possible that Dwayne is D, Shania's internet buddy? D could be short for Dwayne. So you never know. But detectives didn't really get much from Shania's parents. So they started off with Shania's phone records. And most of the phone numbers from September 6th, 2012 were those of her family and her friends, but there were two unknown numbers. And and they both had the zip code of 903. Where is that based? Zip code 903. This is why I need Priscilla because she's the one that <laughs> does the Google search and then I'm, I agree. Okay, so it's North 
Eastern Texas. I'm not sure, you know, what that means. It says, you know, Northeastern Texas and covers Tyler, Longview, and Sherman. Yeah, it says mostly Tyler, Texas. The first number with the 903 zip code checks out. The second unknown number with a 903 zip code does not check out. There is no answer and detectives actually discover that it's a burner phone, meaning that there's no registered owner to this number. So at this point, detectives request the phone record for the burner phone. I didn't even know that that was a thing. Did you guys know it was a thing? Because I really didn't. Um, and from that record, from the burner phone, there's a lead, believe it or not. It showed that Shania was called on September 6th, 2012, along with another phone number. So the second outgoing call from the burner phone is linked to someone by the name of Joanna Davis. So on Saturday, September 8th, 2012, at around 1.37 a.m., which is pretty like early in the morning, detectives call Joanna. But you know what? The investigation is ongoing, so I understand the urgency, but I'm like, damn, that really is very early in the morning. Detectives inform Joanna that they are handling a missing child case. And they ask her about the 903 number because they believe that it's linked to this missing child case. And she tells them that she does not recognize the number, but she'll ask her husband if he recognizes the number. And then she passes the phone to her husband. And you won't believe this. Her husband is Franklin, a.k.a. Wish whose full name is Franklin Davis, hence Joanna Davis. She took his last name. I know you're probably confused by this. I was too, because as you know, Franklin was in jail without bond, awaiting his trial for four counts of rape against Shania. Well, it turns out that he has been out of jail for the last three months. So he's just been out here living his life. And no one knew. Shania didn't know. Her parents didn't know. Anyways, Franklin now is on the phone with detectives and he says he doesn't recognize the number either. And he tells them he doesn't want to say anything else because he has nothing else to add. But what Franklin doesn't know is that prior to calling Joanna, his wife, detectives put surveillance on their apartment. So there were cops outside, undercover, waiting to see if there's any sort of movement in the apartment, if he you know, tries to make a getaway, if he does anything suspicious. And long and behold, just a few minutes later, after that conversation, Franklin is seen leaving the apartment and throwing out trash. And as he's about to do that, he's stopped and he's brought into the station for questioning. 
So at this point, Franklin becomes the first person of interest. As he's being interrogated, Franklin denies ever seeing Shania on Thursday. So Thursday was September 6th, the day that Shania went missing. He also claims that he doesn't know of her whereabouts. But Franklin is really quick to change the subject. He tells them that Shania apparently texted him saying that she wrongfully accused him, that she lied about the entire thing and that her mom was forcing her to make the allegations. He even turns over his phone. He tells him, listen, all the evidence that you need is in here and it's going to prove that I am innocent. But they don't really pay too much mind to that because they are focused on the burner phone because this was one of the last numbers to have called Shania on the day that she went missing. Still, they don't have enough to hold Franklin, but they just have a gut feeling, even though he's claiming his innocence as to the rape case, that he might be involved in Shania's disappearance. So they end up arresting him on 10 outstanding tickets that he had for driving, I don't know, parking, parking tickets. So he is put in jail. And in the meantime, they know that they have to find like concrete evidence, something tangible, something that's sufficient enough to keep him in jail and charge him. Later that day on September 8th, 2012, there's a search of Franklin's car with a cadaver dog and the dog did get a hit. And so detectives feel that this is confirmation that Shania is likely dead. They believe that Franklin killed her and likely because he didn't want her to testify at his trial. Another thing that detectives notice is that there was a strong smell of cologne in the car as though Franklin was trying very hard to get rid of any sort of scent um, in the car that could possibly be linked to Shania. Another thing that's interesting is that when detectives look at Franklin's phone records, they do in fact find texts saying that Shania lied about the rape, but her mom insisted on filing the charges. So at this point, it appears to vindicate the rape charges and possibly any motives for wanting to hurt Shania because if you're innocent, why do you need to hurt someone? But then they tell Franklin they found a body in the Trinity River, which is near Shania's school. Hebron High School. Unfortunately, on that day, September 8th, at around 4.30 p.m., a cyclist found a body floating along the Trinity River, and the body was floating face down near the border of Irving, Texas. So where the river is located by Irving, Texas, is about a 33-minute drive from Hebron High School. The body ended up being that of a young black woman, likely in her teens. This individual also had on clothes that matched what Shania was wearing just two days earlier on September 6th, 
the day that she went missing. Detectives also discovered a phone near the body. And after making a positive ID, detectives now have to break the news to Shania's family. Unfortunately, the body that they uncovered from the Trinity River was that of Shania. Not only that, Shania had suffered two gunshot wounds to her shoulder and her back. And along with that, she had been strangled to death. So the cause of death was two gunshot wounds along with asphyxiation. Her mom, Sherry, said she already knew. She just had a gut feeling. She was extremely upset and crying. It was just very devastating. Her stepfather also um, made an appearance on the show and he said that he was very devastated by this and that it hurt really bad. So now let's talk about what detectives found on Shania's phone. So detectives discovered that Dee had texted Shania saying that he's going to be in her area today, as in September 6th, and doesn't want her mom to flip out on him. Shania asks where he is, and he replied, the kid's parking lot. Not sure what that means, because this is a high school, so it's like, uh, is there like an elementary school by the high school? I don't know. So she decided to meet up with him for a little while before going to her mom. It was her first time meeting Dee, and she was excited. Like, who wouldn't be excited to meet their crush in person? Detectives gave some of this detail to Franklin as they're now, you know, continuing the interrogation, and he starts to crack. He tells him that Dee is actually his nephew. Not only that, but Franklin was impersonating his nephew the entire time. So I'm sure you're wondering how the hell did he do this? I was wondering that too. Apparently he logged into Dee's Facebook and started to message Shania. He basically wanted to get information that could help in his defense in the sexual assault case. And he thought this was the best way to do that. He got her number from the conversation and they started talking. And he said that Shania didn't recognize his voice either, which is really odd because obviously they were around each other on multiple occasions. However, the other side to it is that they were around each other during really traumatic occasions for Shania so she may have just I don't want to say blacked out but she may have just zoned out as to his voice and so that is highly likely um, why she didn't recognize his voice here so this caring charismatic guy was Franklin Davis the entire time another thing is that Franklin's actual phone pinged at the school. 
basically, that's how detectives were able to draw the connection that Franklin was a user of the burner phone, too, because the timestamps on both phones matched. Franklin said that he had texted Shania all day from the burner phone to meet, and she never caught on to him at all. He claims that when she walked outside to the car that he had described to her, she was surprised to see him. I'm sure she was. Because who are you, sir? Like, well, we know who you are, but why are you here? He then goes on to say, you know, she was shocked, but he didn't force her to go into his car. But mind you, just for visual references, Shania was 5'3", and Franklin is 6'1", and he has a gun. So clearly she was easily overpowered in this scenario. I don't think she could exactly, you know, run. So him saying that he didn't force her into the car, even though he may or may not have, like, physically forced her into the car... He, he basically did because he had a weapon. I mean, let's just be honest. It's kind of hard to outrun a person that has a gun when you don't have a weapon or any means of defending yourself. Clearly, her life was in danger and she must have felt that this was her only option to go with him. That doesn't mean that she went voluntarily or willingly. She just probably felt that there was no other option. So Franklin drives to a quiet, steep, overgrown spot by the Trinity River. And it was a part that bordered Irving, Texas. Like I had mentioned earlier, it was about 33 minutes of a drive from her school. And they walked along the trail. And at some point, at some point, Franklin decided that he needed to kill her and he shot her. He shot her twice, once in the back and once in the shoulder. So after the first shot, he drags her into the water a bit. And once she's partially in the water, he shoots at her again. But it doesn't end there because she is still alive. Franklin proceeds to drag Shania out of the water and she makes eye contact with him and says, why wish? Why are you doing this to me? And then Franklin does really just such a heinous thing. He proceeds to step on Shania's neck. The entire time Shania is literally fighting for her life. She's grabbing at his leg and then Eventually, she lets go of his leg. And believe it or not, he does confess this to detectives. Detectives believe he planned out what he was going to do and that Shania's fate was unfortunately sealed once she got into the car with him. In November 2013, Franklin pleads not guilty for the murder of Shania Gray in the course of committing or attempting to commit an obstruction. He says he didn't have a motive to kill her, 
because his name would be cleared based on the text messages. Basically, he was trying to say the murder that was aggravated because of him trying to obstruct justice was not the proper charge in this case. He truly believed that the murder was a completely separate occurrence because he was innocent of the prior rape allegations. So he technically wasn't committing obstruction or attempting to commit obstruction. But he wasn't innocent yet. I mean, fine, innocent until proven guilty. But I just still feel like he has not yet proven his innocence because that rape trial, it was still pending. Upon another review of the text messages, what the prosecutor finds, and this is, well, he's a former prosecutor, Branding Birmingham, but the lead prosecutor on that case, he found that in the text message that Shania had apparently sent Franklin, she had used the number three in place of the letter E. So for example, just just imagine, or you can try typing this out yourself. Sorry, I lied on you, but mama made me do it. So replace every E with the with a number three. And that's how the text was written. Except the weird thing about it is that Shania had never texted using the number three in this way. And the prosecution had looked at over 25,000 pages of her social media account and she had never done this before. So they look over Franklin's phone again and they find an app called fake SMS and call log. So the text from Shania to Franklin saying, sorry I lied on you, but mama made me do it with all the E's as threes. It was created by the app and was fake. I cannot make this up y'all. I was shocked. And the former prosecutor, Brandon Birmingham, said it perfectly. You can tell a web of lies, but you're always going to get found out. And the thing is that Franklin thought that he was smarter than everyone else, that he can pull off this big elaborate plan and get away with it. Like, did you really think that they were not going to trace your phone? Do you know how in depth discoveries are when it comes to phones like they go through everything once that's in evidence it's done it's a done deal so you cannot lie they will find it they have their ways so all of this proof is reiterated at trial the prosecution believed that Franklin killed Shania to prevent her from testifying at the rape trial. And the prosecution showed the jurors the extent that Franklin went to through social media and the burner phone. And of course, the fact that Franklin admitted to killing Shania, 
despite denying that he had ever touched her in 2010. Franklin was convicted of capital murder in the course of committing or attempting to commit obstruction. So that's an aggravated charge. And Franklin is sentenced to death. So we already know how this kind of, I think Priscilla does a really good job at explaining how the death penalty stage happens. Basically, the trial is the guilty phase. Are you innocent? Are you guilty beyond a reasonable doubt? Okay, the death penalty phase, that's basically where your life is on the line. Okay, it's a matter of are you going to be saved, as in get to live the rest of your life in prison, or are you going to be put to death? So remember, this is Texas. And Texas does not play when it comes to the death penalty. So yeah, at, at only age 30 or 31 years old at the time, Franklin is sentenced to death. He's currently incarcerated in West Livingston, Texas. And honestly, just based on the facts and the extent that Franklin went to, it's very obvious that he is conniving, manipulative, and just the epitome of evil. He did not have to do all that he he just absolutely did the most. It did not have to come to this. And also the fact that he used his nephew, aka his cousin, um, well, the cousin ended up actually being the nephew, Dee's Facebook account, he really could have gotten Dee caught up in this. And Dee's a real person, you know what I mean? So I also wonder whether Dee was in on what Franklin was doing or the fact that Franklin was using his account because I mean how else did he get his password right like I mean there's several ways to get a person's password he could have asked him about it um he could be using the same computer or device and it's autosave there's so many things he can go into the computer and um there's an option to like view passwords if you go into settings even if it's auto locked. So there's so many things that, so many ways how he could have gotten the password, right? Either way, I'm not judging D because I think a lot of the times we try to help someone out in our family or a friend and you want to believe that they're telling the truth. You want to help them out. So it's just, it's a hard position to be in and I don't think that D would have ever imagined that if it turned out that he did voluntarily give his password to Franklin. I don't think that he thought this would lead to murder, right? So it's just crazy how you can get caught up in something that you have nothing to do with. But when he initially did confess to using D's account, I really thought that D was the one that was communicating with Shania just based off of maybe what Franklin was telling him to say. So I thought that D really was D. It's just really a lot. I don't even know what to say, I'm speechless. 
So there was an appeal in 2016 by Franklin and he was claiming that there was insufficient evidence to convict him of the crime of capital murder. Specifically, he was claiming that he had murdered Shania out of just pure anger, a desire for revenge because he believed that she wanted to ruin his life. But he continues to deny the fact that he did not kill her to prevent her from testifying. So basically, capital murder with that underlying offense of obstruction of justice, he was trying to appeal the obstruction of justice part. So the Court of Appeals basically said that they agreed with the trial court and they affirmed the decision of the death sentence. As for Shania's loved ones, her friend Fiona did make an appearance on the show and she says that till this day she continues to think about Shania every single day. And that's tough because, you know, losing someone that you love, it's just difficult. But imagine as a teenager losing one of your best friends. As a young person, that's a lot. As to her mother, Sherry, she said it's been difficult to lose a child, to lose a daughter, someone as amazing as Shania. At the end of the episode, Sherry said, and I quote, she was a gifted kid with a lot of promise, a lot of potential. Sherry wanted other girls to know that anything can happen and that parents just want to make sure that their kids are safe. And you never know what's lurking on the other side of that internet portal. And in this case, it unfortunately cost Shania her life. And it's really sad because of the the measures that Sherry tried to take with ensuring that, you know, Shania's friends were who they s- said that they were. So it's just a very, very sad, unfortunate case. And I'm just sending well wishes to Shania's family and her friends and other loved ones. It's just complete tragedy, just completely senseless and... It just didn't have to play out this way. It really didn't. But yeah, that is this week's case of Shania Gray. And I really hope that you guys enjoyed this solo episode. That's all that I have. So tune in next week for another episode of It's a Mystery for Me. Stay safe out there, guys. Bye, all.